Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Well, these are action-packed days here in Las Vegas. So much going on. You know, recently, uh, C. Eric Scott came here to visit, and we are working on some interesting little projects that uh, may fully develop soon. Uh, I'll keep you posted on that. And uh, now, Lauren and I are thrilled to have... Well, my brother-in-law, Charles, that's Lauren's brother, and his wife, Shelly, visiting us. And uh, Charles has been a big supporter and fan of my radio and podcasting work for a long time. In fact, one of these days, if I can go into my storage unit in Asheville and actually locate that gigantic box I have of uh, hundreds of old... Speaking of strange recordings, now this is in the days before podcasting, so the only record that exists is on these old audio cassette tapes. Uh, Charles has said that he is uh, happy to sit down at some point and uh, transfer those things into a digital format and organize them, and that's a big old job. So uh, I hope that that happens someday, and I hope those tapes are still in good enough shape. But last night... Lauren and Charles and Shelley and I, we went to Rick Harrison's barbecue joint. Of course, Rick Harrison is the, uh, he's the bald guy who owns the gold and silver pawn shop featured in the TV show Pawn Stars. As a matter of fact, uh, his father just recently passed away. They called him the old man. And uh, Rick Harrison's barbecue joint is, uh, it's just, it's just a great, warm, fun environment and uh, the barbecue is really good. In fact, uh, the Harrison family is originally from North Carolina, so maybe they are a little influenced by uh, the North Carolina style of barbecue. But Rick Harrison himself actually bartends sometimes on the weekends, and so he was there last night, so we got to chat with Rick for a little bit. But uh, anyway, here we are sitting at one of these sort of, you know, high-top tables next to the bar, and the next thing you know, I... uh, accidentally dump a uh, large container of baked beans all over myself. So um, regardless of the cleaning I did, it still looked like I had basically uh, shit myself lying face down all over my uh, crotch and that, you know my lower shirt and all that. A diarrhea spatter. I'm, I'm sorry if you're having breakfast right now. Um, so, fortunately, it turned out that that kind of ended up being the end of the night anyway because, believe it or not, it started raining. Uh, this is only the second time I have seen it rain in Las Vegas. I was here for two months and two months and eight days without ever seeing a drop of rain. And now I've seen it twice in the past week, and they call this the monsoon season here in Las Vegas, July, August, and September, meaning that uh, they actually do get some rain. And uh, they're actually happy about it, though, because, uh, for example, when it rained the other night for a few hours, they said that they got uh, 165% of the amount of usual rain that they get for the entire month of July in that one night. So you have to be careful around here when it comes to flash floods because uh, when you go for months and the ground's all dry and then all of a sudden you get a big storm well good uh, 
good ingredients for a flash flood. So it did rain last night, and uh, that's helping, I'm sure, quite a bit with any sort of water issues. But I'm going to be here in Las Vegas for um, probably, yeah, let's see, what is that? Maybe another three to four weeks before I head to Asheville, North Carolina, um, primarily because that I will be one of the folks on stage at George Norrie Live at the Diana Wortham Theater there in Asheville. Uh, Nori was in Asheville about two years ago, and uh, we had a sold-out theater there, and everybody had a wonderful time. And so now uh, he's coming back uh, to do it again. And it's going to be, um, well, of course, you know, if you've never heard of George Nori live, of course, George Nori hosts Coast to Coast AM. And so this is kind of like a live version of Coast to Coast AM where George gets up there and, you know, he tells some jokes and he sings and we entertain and we have some surprises, but then he sits down and he interviews guests on stage. And so he'll be interviewing me. Uh, he'll be interviewing Micah Hanks. He'll be interviewing Dr. William Forstian. And he'll also be interviewing somebody I've never met before, um, Vincent Jenna, who is a psychic. I believe he lives toward the east coast of North Carolina. So that ought to be a really fascinating lineup. Um, And, of course, everybody in the Asheville area pretty much already knows me and Micah and Bill Forston. So you kind of have an idea of what you're in in store for to to a certain extent. Um, But while I am still here in Las Vegas, of course, uh, I'm out there conducting tests. I'm taking measurements. I'm documenting more... uh, well, I'm going to places trying to see if I can find other space-time warps. Um, and, in fact, this is really interesting. I want to share this with you. I went onto my Twitter feed and onto my Facebook page, and I put the specific GPS coordinates of the spot where I got this time anomaly on the DT meter. Uh, in fact, I, I started getting emails from people who wanted to go there to the site and, you know, like tourists. In fact, there was one lady who emailed me and she said, my son and I, we love to go out and explore unusual places and and weird things. And we'd like to just go to this spot where you got this anomaly and where people are seeing UFOs and just hang out. And I said, well, okay, you know, it's in the middle of nowhere, but here you go. So in order to just sort of help everybody out, I just posted the, the specific GPS coordinates on my Twitter and on my Facebook page. Um, and I was just amazed when I got this message. I'm sitting at my computer now, so let me bring it up. I got this, uh, it was a response on my Facebook page from a man named Sean Kevin Jason. And he wrote, weird, that is where my triangle encounter occurred. It hovered 20 feet or less off the ground. Certainly makes me wonder whether you're measuring a residual effect from it. Now, of course, I know this is a UFO hotspot. And uh, you have some stunning video from people like Steve Barone that's been shot there. Um, But I thought that was really interesting that this is a guy who's a Facebook friend 
who didn't know exactly the area I was talking about. And then when I posted it, he goes, wow, boom, that's it. That's the area. So I replied, and this is all a public conversation on my Facebook page. And I said, um, please tell me more about your encounter. You know, So he said it happened on March 27th of 1996. Uh, this was apparently at night because there's also an illustration of this. I'll get to that in a minute. But he says, uh, March 27th, 1996, black triangle UFO about the size of a fighter jet. Shape was a tetrahedron. Now, uh, I'm assuming that most people don't know exactly what the heck a tetrahedron is because even I was like, tetrahedron, what exactly is... Okay, tetrahedron is a pyramid it's a it's a pyramid with three sides so basically if imagine something that is like a big flying black pyramid from the bottom it's going to look to you um like a triangle because all the sides are triangular so in other words like if you had a pyramid from egypt it might have a square base and then it has four triangles forming the sides. But a tetrahedron is uh, a, a pyramid shape that's made of four triangles. So all from any direction, any, any angle you see it, you're, it's going to look like a triangle. But the whole thing forms a pyramid. So anyway, he says, um, black triangle UFO shape was a tetrahedron. It was published, he's talking about his encounter now, he says, it was published in The Art of Close Encounters and Somewhere in the Skies, if you have a copy of either. So he says two books have featured his incident. One is called The Art of Close Encounters and the other is called Somewhere in the Skies. Uh, He then writes, I should mention it hovered there for at least 10 minutes. If you head due west from the time anomaly spot through the desert. That's the direction it flew away. Curious whether the anomaly follows the flight path of the craft. Mm-hmm. I might be able to suggest other locations where this could possibly be measured. And then he includes, he says, that here's a recreation of the encounter from one of the books. And he has this really cool illustration that he um, attached. And it shows... A uh, like a four-door sedan-type car uh, on sort of off to the side of the road. Uh, it looks exactly like this area looks at night. It's just the middle of the desert, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And over overhead is this just enormous black. Uh, again, it's sort of like the edge of a triangular craft with all these bright lights beaming down. Man, I'm telling you, just looking at this picture, that would scare that would scare the hell out of anybody. That would scare the hell out of anybody. In fact, I tell you what, I'm going to go ahead um and post this picture on my Twitter feed so that you can take a look at this. It's <laughs> it's a really good illustration and I mean, having been to that spot myself uh and imagining what it would be like to see this, you'd just be like petrified actually petrified that's some crazy stuff so anyway uh so he wrote that 
And uh, and then uh, you know, speaking of Steve Barone, uh, he you know he's got a, a popular YouTube channel, and again, Steve Barone is the guy who has this house way high up, basically on the side or, or near the cliffs of the Red Rock Canyon there in Summerlin, where he has this majestic view of the whole Las Vegas Valley, and he goes out almost every night with various cameras and captures incredible images and he just recently posted a new video showing um what he describes as fireballs that were appearing over the valley on july the 11th and um i mean it's it's really amazing footage because you know you've got the usual stuff like helicopters and planes and you know all the wacky things in, in las vegas that you see every night but there are these big bright balls of of light that you know i guess you can call them a fireball uh that appear and uh and just you know sit right there and they're stationary they're hovering there's no explanation for what they are and they're there for a long time and you know they'll they'll go out for a while and they'll come back and i'm telling you man the more i look at the stuff the more it looks to me like brown mountain lights type phenomena that this is you know, there's some kind, honestly, there's some kind of a, of a space-time warp here in the Las Vegas area that has gotten lost in the clutter of lights, artificial lights, but is uh, absolutely fascinating. And uh, thank goodness for people like Steve Barone who are out there capturing this. So I hope that you'll go and, and take a look at Steve Barone's uh, YouTube channel. His last name is spelled B A R O N E. But uh, so all this is going on, and it's you know it's, it's really exciting that people are continuing to uh, contact me and express interest in uh, the the space time warp and all that. And then guess what I see? Here is an article that came out like I don't know maybe yesterday or something. Um. It's a BBC article, and, uh, oh, okay, okay, so it came out July 11th, oh, well, this is interesting, came out the same date that Steve Barone captured the uh, strange new fireballs over the Las Vegas Valley, um, BBC, and the headline is, We Can Build a Real-Time Machine, We Can Build a Real-Time Machine. And the article talks a lot about a professor and the professor is named Ron Mallett and he works at the University of Connecticut. Um, He's been fascinated with time travel for a long time. His father died when he was young and he is... uh, I guess you could say the guy's sort of obsessed with the possibility he might be able to go back and save his father. Now, and of course, that's a whole different spin on things, isn't it? Because it's one thing to go back in time and observe what what happened. It's another thing to think that you might be able to go back in time and change it. And that's when you get into paradoxes, and that's when you get into the idea of splintering parallel timelines, and it becomes very complicated and confusing at that point. But anyway, says here, uh, again, Professor Ron Mallett has drawn up plans for an actual time machine. 
and his concept was inspired by a book he read at age 12 about Albert Einstein's equations. Now listen to this. Now this is a legitimate article from the BBC, okay? Professor Mallet has built a tabletop device that illustrates principles he thinks could be used to build a real working time machine. First, lasers are used to generate a circulating beam of light. The space inside this ring laser should become twisted, quote, like stirring a cup of coffee, the University of Connecticut professor explains. Okay, so let me pause for a second. Think about this. Lasers are shooting at a particular spot and circulating that spot and creating something that, I don't know, I kind of envision like maybe a tornado. And so that's changing space, so he says. Uh, Goes on to say, because space and time are intimately connected, warping space should also warp time. Professor Mallet's theoretical work has shown that given enough laser intensity in a small enough space, it should be possible to alter the normally linear timeline we all inhabit. And uh, here's a quote. If space is being twisted strongly enough, this linear timeline is going to be twisted into a loop. If time all of a sudden is twisted into a loop, that allows us the possibility of traveling into the past, end quote. That's what the professor said. Uh, However, in order to make it work, the concept would require vast amounts of power and a way of shrinking everything to a microscopic scale. But once we have a time machine, using it successfully would require a detailed understanding of time itself. Um, This is a great article because they go on to say, the generally accepted view is that the universe is an unchanging block of space-time. And then they quote this uh, doctor from the University of Sydney in Australia. Uh, Her name is Christy Miller, and she says, quote, What's important about the model is the idea that the past, present, and future are all equally real. So you can think of everything that ever did exist does exist or will exist as all somehow being out there in space time she goes on to say and by the way she's the director for the center for time at the university of sydney she goes on to say quote the dinosaurs are all out there somewhere in the past doing dinosaur stuff we're all here now and all of the future is out there somewhere in space-time, too. End quote. But, now, if that's hard for you to grasp, they do an even better job here by giving uh, an example of how to think about this. It says, one way to visualize this block model is to think of other places in time as being like other places in space. Quote, we are here in Sydney, but there are other people located in Singapore, 
and London, those places are perfectly real. It's just that we aren't at them, says Dr. Miller. So they go on to say this is good news for the budding time traveler because it suggests there is nothing to stop us from swapping where we are now for some other place and time. It says, importantly, it also implies that past, present, and future are, are already written so that if we were to travel back in time, we would not be able to alter it. To take an off-quoted example, we should not be able to kill someone's grandparent so that their descendant will cease to exist in the future. Okay, so again, what they're talking about here is the idea and I've said this a million times, and it applies to ghostly phenomena and many other paranormal things, that according to what the smartest people out there are telling us, the past, present, and future already exist. It's all there, and we are just experiencing it bit by bit as we are able to comprehend it from our little point of view with our little brains. But the big question becomes are there multiple timelines? So that is to say, I might not be able to go back on this timeline and kill my grandfather, because obviously, then I wouldn't exist. But is it possible that there are a gazillion different timelines, and that I could go back and kill my grandfather, and I would still exist, but now I would exist on a different timeline? So, again, these are the kinds of things that can make you scratch your head, and you can talk about them all day long, and you can speculate. But the great thing about it is when you read credible articles like this, it helps to reinforce the idea that, you know, when somebody like me says that I've gone out there and I found what appears to be a time anomaly, uh, it doesn't seem like that freakish or unbelievable uh, a thing. And that's why, you know, I have said this on many radio shows and in and, and many interviews, and I'll restate it right now. It is my prediction that we will find in the near future <laughs> um, that there are actually space-time anomalies strewn all over Earth. And, um, you know, people who have questions about the data that I'm presenting right now, um, they will find out very soon that uh, it's really not that big of a deal to be honest with you that these things are everywhere we just haven't had the ability to sort of document it properly and that's why ron heath and the dt meter and all that are uh, so valuable because they're they're giving us tools to help us sort of civilians get out there and document this on a on, a, on an affordable amateur level so very, very uh, interesting to look at how all that's being perceived. Uh, it's about time for me to wrap up this particular podcast, so I will tell you now, uh, I, of course, am going to be in Los Angeles in October. I will be personally hosting a wishing machine workshop in Hollywood on Santa Monica Boulevard. There are only 49 tickets available. I'm not sure how many that we have sold thus far, but I know that I am not yet sold out. I told you on a previous podcast that I would give you the heads up first, since you're a podcast listener. But now you've had your heads up, so I am about to blast this thing and send it out there all over creation. So 
if you are interested in hanging with me at Hollywood in Los Angeles on Saturday, October the 13th, um, you better go buy that ticket right now. And I'm not making a big deal out of this uh, in terms of uh, making it extremely visible because I know that it will sell out quickly. 49 tickets. They're each less than $100 a piece right now. Um, if you go to joshuapwarren.com and scroll down the homepage, you'll see at the bottom of the homepage in yellow letters, it says Hollywood event, and you just click that, and that'll give you all the information. And um, if the page allows you to buy a ticket, then we still have tickets left. But only 49 people will be able to, to be there and do this with me in person in Hollywood in October. So again, go to joshuapwarren.com. There's no period after the P. Go to joshuapwarren.com. Scroll down the homepage and click the yellow letters that say Hollywood event, and you can read about it. And if there's still a ticket left, you better snatch it up. Um, also, uh, while you're there, you know, you can click the link to this podcast. It's called Joshua P. Warren Daily. It's always short. It's always free. You can subscribe through various means or just follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, and I will tweet when a new one is available. So there's a lot of cool stuff going on, and I will uh, keep you informed. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.